1: Welcome, everybody, to episode 86 of the Greenlight Podcast, POC E-Phrase. And on this episode, we are joined by CJ Moore from The Athletic. CJ, what's up, man? Good morning. Happy Friday. Happy Certified Lover Boy release day. <laughs> Drake's album is out. We can stop listening to Donda now. Here we are. What's up, man?
2: You lost me there for a second. I'm <laughs> well,
1: yeah, I don't. Fire, right, up, fire up some okay. Drake on this Friday.
2: Yeah, I guess so. Better, better look that up. But no, ha- happy, happy to be here. Happy it's Friday, and um, basketball season is. I mean, I know college football is starting, but I care less about that. But basketball season is sneaking up on us. I know it's
0: always it's always only Everyone's so excited for college football, and it's always just like a trigger of hey, we're we're almost at practice now, starting officially, one step closer to basketball starting. Um, that that's that's the real uh, that, that's the real gift here. For sure.
1: Um, all right, man we got a lot to talk about so uh, I had reached out to you a couple of weeks ago you wrote um, an article on the athletic um, really all about remaking men's college basketball conferences and what basically college basketball should do what the conferences should look like separate from football fire emirate we're a big fan of that um, so let's start let's start at the beginning you know, For the everyday fan that might not be fully aware of the current status of conference realignment, tell us what caused the latest like tectonic shift and somewhat panic amongst the power five conferences when Texas and Oklahoma kind of made their announcement.
2: Well, you know, I think the the thing that got everybody on edge and and freaked them out was nobody knew this was really coming. Like, um, I don't think people... From my understanding, I don't think people at the SEC office even knew it was coming. Like, I, I think the the conference commissioner knew. I think the presidents of those schools knew. I think the AD, at, the ADs at Texas and Oklahoma knew. But but beyond that, I don't know that many people knew, and I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. Even though maybe we should have, and so the Big Twelve now eight schools basically remaining are in a position where, um, you know, their status as a power conference is up in the air. Um, those schools could potentially, even if they continue to be together, um, could lose a lot of money. And that's what drives all this. It's, it's money and football and, and TV dollars and what they can get from the TV networks. And that's why Oklahoma and Texas are going to the SEC, even though those two schools are two of the, biggest revenue driving in schools and in the college landscape, which is kind of like you really need more money when you're like that is already number one. I guess they gotta they gotta widen that gap. I don't know. But um, what's disappointing to me as a guy who loves and breathes college basketball is that um, like I said, all of this is driven by football. Basketball is not even really matter when it comes to this stuff. And, um, you know, I, I live in Kansas City and um, grew up on Big 8 basketball, um, grew up on Big 12 basketball. And um, for me, the sport took a hit when we had this first shift in conference realignment and the Big 12 got hit, Missouri and a Colorado and Nebraska all left uh, A&M, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, that's, that's an old Southwest school. That's not, that, that wasn't a big deal, but, but like living in Kansas city and, and, and experiencing uh, so many border wars between Kansas and Missouri, like that is a huge, huge, huge rivalry here. And those games were so much fun and meant so much. And my childhood, like, you know, I remember where I watched certain games uh, the loudest arena I've ever been in in my life moment is the last border war when Thomas Robinson blocked the shot of Phil Pressey at Allen Fieldhouse. So I, you know, I tell people it was so I was covering that game. It was so loud that uh, the vibrations of the arena froze my laptop. So, um, you know, that, that's what college basketball is about. And to just take those rivalries away and like that, that game's coming back this year and those two schools are going to play, but it's not going to be the same. You know, it's, it's, it's not going to be the same because it's, it's not for a, you know, conference games matter just more. Um, So that's kind of, you know, all these ideas floating in my head um, and the frustration over how basketball has never really matters in this, these, you know, "Let's let's just start over. Let football be its own thing because football wants to basically be its own thing yeah and um you know that's that's kind of where the idea came from
1: support for the green light podcast is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming champions of the world manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer the lawnmower 4.0 you heard that right the 4.0 Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code greenlight at manscaped.com. Listen, fellas, we've all been there. We've tried to trim down there using a million different things. Stop it. Go with Manscaped. It's the easiest one. Your balls will thank you. Again, 20% off free shipping with the code greenlight at manscaped.com.
0: Yeah, and and I think we're kind of already there. You alluded to obviously with Kansas and Missouri. I think personally growing up a Virginia fan, not having Maryland now in the ACC has been yeah. incredibly odd for me. Like I, I that same rivalry I my probably most disdains for North Carolina, but then after that's probably Maryland. I grew up my grandfather's we don't like Gary Williams, we don't like um, Terrapin's. And that was a decision I was like, fueled by football. And I think are we on a road where we're destined to just let football ruin the rivalries and kind of the, the geographical awareness? Um, and really any sorts of normalcy for all the other sports um, just because of the money and, and, uh, uh, and the power behind, behind football?
2: I mean, it's already kind of done it in a way. But um, I don't know that there's going to be too many more. I mean, who knows? Who knows where we're going? But I, I don't know that there'll be too many more shifts like – um, you know, there was some chatter of Florida State and Clemson potentially going to the SEC. Maybe that happens someday. Um, but I think maybe, you know, the moves that are going to happen have, have mostly happened. Obviously, the Big 12 is going to try to raid the American yeah. and um, for a few schools. And I think BYU to the Big 12, um, you know, makes a lot of sense for the league. But at the same time, like, BYU to the Big 12, like, that doesn't <laughs> sound right Nah. Uh, so, um, you know, it's, it's frustrating because I, I think that the sport could just be better if they were to do something like, like what I'm suggesting where, um, you know, we get back to geography and rivalries matter mattering.
1: Yeah. So let's jump into the three steps. You kind of start the article with, uh, before you get into like where school should go and the actual realignment, three big steps, right. And step one is fire Mark Emirate, promote Dan Gabbett. Um, Big fans. Kudos for that. Step two is get rid of the NCAA enforcement and compliance at the university level, which my question there is, will individual schools or the conferences then take over compliance, per se? Like, who, who will manage that part of it?
2: Yeah, I, I guess you would you would have the conference, but but in my world, there's really very few rules. <laughs> it's
1: <laughs> like, just kind of like we're done with it.
2: It's just kind of free for all. And, and, and really... So with, with with name, image, and likeness, I think that, you know, we're pretty much already there. Like what, what did the NSA spend most of their time enforcing and and worrying about? It was whether student athletes got paid. Well, now they can get paid. Um, you know, while it's supposed to be like above board, it's not going to be entirely above board. And also it's going to be so hard to enforce that already. Like, let's just, let's just scrap trying to, to figure it out. Um, my thing has always been with college basketball is that the best team, the, the team, the players are going to go where they're going to go, no matter the rules, like the, the whole thing of trying to equal the playing field and stuff. The, the playing field has never been equal like Kentucky and North Carolina and Kansas and Duke. Those schools are going to get the best players regardless of what the rules are. And, and, you know, everybody's going to kind of fall in line wherever. So um yeah, that, that's that's where I come with this, and, and and plus, like, think about how much money and energy and time they're wasting trying to enforce some of these archaic rules that they're trying to enforce. So, so that's where I come from there. But but the bigger thing is 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 like, let's let's reshape these conferences and and also reshape how we how we draw you know how we select NCAA tournament teams. Who's doing the selecting? Like, how much do you think these the the people that are on the NCAA selection committee, like how qualified are they really to select the NCAA tournament field? They're maybe qualified to be presidents of their schools or athletic directors, but um, let's get people who are following and paying attention to this stuff all the time. Like, I, you know, I suggested somebody like a Ken Pomeroy um, who, who, you know, eats this stuff up and can and, and do this way better than somebody, a, a president of a university um, could. So that's kind yeah. of right from there.
0: It's funny you said because that was a perfect transition and one to bring up that that transformation of going shifting to guys like Ken Pomeroy and Jeff Jeff Sagarin Cause I think you're right. It's always we get to the around the tournament time, there's always even the casual fans that are just tuning into college basketball. Once we get towards March, complaining about the selection committee, who got left out, who is and we know, like you said, presidents, ads, there's a lot of different things issue. Before we came on the air, Paul and I were discussing a For AD, that we know that were giving bad bye games just because they eventually wanted to be the AD at that school. And so I think there's a lot of different issues and politics at play when you bring in uh, more neutral parties and you bring in guys with uh, obviously the statistical background like Kim, Kim Pomeroy and Jeff Sagarin. I guess the question is would they want to do it? And how how would they uh, how much time would they have to be devoting to this compared to what they're they're doing already? And, and who and who pays them?
2: Yeah, the say. Yeah, they pays them. OK. Um, yeah, you know, they make millions of dollars. off they got the, the money. money. They got the money. There's, there's some money to be to be had there. Um, you know, I, I've never asked. I, I, I should just ask Ken someday, like, would you want to do that? Cause um, you know, he's, he's weird, Like he won't, um, he doesn't fill out a, uh, a bracket. So, you know, he's got some, some weird things, but you know, <laughs> philosophies, but I bet he would, I bet he would do it. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, they, they could do such a, I mean, the what it is now is it's a status thing like what committee can I get on type thing yeah. um, it's not who can do the best job and um it's a really really hard job and I do think that the NCAA um like prepares those people to and puts them in a situation hey here's here's how we do it here's the formula yada 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 and and that helps and and I don't think they do an awful job No. Uh, I, I think you know. I always say you know if you're if you're mad because you didn't make and you're on the bubble, just you know be better. Don't be on the bubble. Um, but um, you know it's it, it at the same time it's tough to get in this NCAA tournament and yada yada yada. But we can also do a better job of making sure these resumes are more complete by playing better, better you know the better competition playing better competition. So you know that's that's kind of really what I get into. Um, with the story is let's create more opportunities for there to be meaningful games. Um, you know, let's get rid of these by games that are, that are useless. And um, you know, let's, let's get somebody like Kevin Paga in here who can um, you know, make sure schedules are, are more balanced and and just better schedules, and 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 what's the problem with college basketball? Like, why is college football so far ahead of college basketball? And a lot, it's, it's the TV, right? Well, let's gener- let's make better made-for-TV opportunities by having something like a holiday tournament, and by having some, you know, playing more meaningful conference games, making these conferences a little smaller so that there's round-robin uh, schedules, and we can have more meaningful conference games and more meaningful races. Uh, down the stretch because these you know one problem with these super leagues these leagues expanding 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 is you're not getting necessarily a true champion because if you split the league into two two yeah. um, divisions you know there's a possibility that one division is a lot better than the other
1: yeah um quick question so if we eliminate buy games how does like where do the little schools get their money like where should like how will that because that's going to affect the you know the mid Americans and, the for,
2: for and sure. yeah the, yeah the the small school coach is like screaming at me right now yeah. and they're <laughs> watching this but um you know you you create uh, a pool my, my idea kind of was you create a pool of money from the schools that 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 money they were going to be giving to for buy games like maybe you still have that pool of money or or the NCAA tournament um, committee or whatever to take a, you know, a little maybe segment of that money and and you put it in. So you figure out some kind of way. I mean, I didn't have all the answers (laughs) on this, but, um, and I can't remember, I I had a part at some point where I talked about the buy game money and I can't remember what my, uh, what my, what my thing was.
1: We can, Um, um, yeah, we can come back to it. I wanted to, unless you have it,
2: yeah. Oh, the ACA sets aside a fund for small schools to help make up for the loss and buy games, which is usually used to help fund their athletic departments. Bigger schools save money by no longer needing to pay for those, these games. Yeah. Yeah. And I think
0: ESPN is a, a huge key point, or ESPN or Fox or CBS, whoever with these TV deals. You look at, I mean, the Max deal with ESPN, you look at, say, the ACC's deal with ESPN and be able to build something and maybe being a lunch pen there that can help create that. Um, is, is something huge. I, I would love to see just like we have an ACC Big Ten challenge, if there was something like a Big Ten Mac challenge where it's just not, it's not as glorified, obviously, as that, but you have maybe natural rivalries that, it, to a degree, almost forces a lot of these schools that are, I don't want to say scared. Scared is not the right word. I'm not by any means when I say Ohio State is scared to play Ohio University or Miami, but – there's no incentive for them to play because they're expected to win. But if there's that natural tie-in between the conferences uh, and maybe the TV money, I think it also it, it breeds a more competitive environment too. You
1: are win. you are onto something. Where like if you were ever in charge of scheduling at a big school and you scheduled a the the team that was projected to win the MAC, like you're going to get fired. But your head coach is going to kill you. Like they want you to schedule the worst team in the MAC. They want you to schedule whoever is the worst.
2: Not necessarily.
1: Not everybody, but I would say the vast majority of people. Everybody's I mean, not Michigan State. Everybody's not Izzo, where he's like, I don't uh, care who it is, we'll play.
2: But but the smart thing is to do the the what the smart schools do is they they schedule the team that they expect to be the champion yeah. in those leagues because in when when you have a good team because you expect to win that game, but it's going to help your NCA tournament. Um, mm-hmm you know, resume. So, so that, that's not necessarily the truth that they, that they schedule the worst teams. So a lot of them try to schedule the best teams, but a lot of them are, are, are scared to get those losses against those, those good teams. And that's where somebody like a Kevin pocket comes in. Where like, if you don't have your schedule done, he gets to create, you know, these, he gets to pick these games. And uh, sometimes, you know, I think the schools maybe have a little bit too much control with their scheduling. And if you had a, somebody who was independent of the schools and, um, you know, not bias in any kind of way coming in and uh, creating better schedules like that only helps the sport and kind of saves people from themselves of of, of trying to to protect them, protect themselves.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. Let's talk through the auto bid options. Um, I think after reading them, I think I still lean towards how we do it now. But I love that first. I love the first idea. So what talk us through those options and like kind of what your thought process was there.
2: All right, so, so I've always been a believer that, um, like, the conference tournament is awesome. And the fact that you can make the NCAA tournament off that one weekend, like, it's, it's, it is a really cool thing about college basketball. But at the same time, like, if you talk to those coaches that, that coach in those leagues, um, I think it's frustrating for them that, like, their, their regular season doesn't matter that much. Yeah. And so I, I've always I've always thought that the, that the best way to select it would be the conference champion, regular season champion gets the NCAA tournament bid. And if somebody is different, wins the conference tournament, then they get an IT bid because in those small leagues, an NIT bid is is a meaningful thing as well. It is. Um, so so that that would be the way I would do things. Um,
1: that was option one, right?
2: I th- I think yeah, so. That, that, that would be how I do things. Like, if I could just change one thing, well, I don't know if that would be my topic. <laughs> but but that, that's been something I've always been a believer in. Um, so that, that one was an easy idea for me to throw out there, right? Um, the, the second one is at least one bid is awarded between conference pairs. And if you don't want to know what conference pairs are, you just need to go read the article, right? Yeah. I, I, I got to <laughs> leave some kind of uh, hole in here for, for people to, to not know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and then if a team with the best conference win percentage between the two leagues does not win the regional tournament, um, which is something you need to go, you know, figure out what the heck he's talking about with the regional tournament. Um, that team is also awarded an, an auto bid. Um, so that would make it so there's a max of 32 auto bids, but the possibility of fewer auto bids, this could potentially lead to a more competitive field, meaning like you're going to have some more at-larges. Now, obviously, small small school leagues are going to hate that. Uh, to kind of circle back earlier, that, you know, when we were talking about buy games and stuff, like I think that I don't want to see the NCAA – and, you know, football is, is, could do this in a way. I don't want to see it shrink to like 100 schools, but I, I do think it's probably – we don't need 360 division one schools. Like that's, that's too many. Um, so, you know, if it were to shrink to like 260, 280 or something like that, I don't know that that would be the worst thing. Um, you know, you, you've got so many schools in, in D1 who don't even have a chance to make the NSA tournament. Don't even have a chance to win a game. Um, you know, the UMBCs are awesome and and you want to still see stuff like that, be able a possibility of it happening. But, but we do probably have too many schools like, um, Chicago state for instance, um, that was the first (laughs) school
0: in my mind. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Not competitive at all. You know, they don't have the resources to even like, like compete. Um, and, and they're out there trying to just get by games like crazy and and, and if, if every non-conference game you have has to be a by game then then it's probably not the division one's probably not the right spot people
1: didn't really think this through if that's how you're funding your athletic department exactly and, yeah
2: this is something i feel i feel like it's
0: one of the most common themes whether it's on the competitive side whether it's on just the 80 landscape is realistic expectations for your school and where you can compete where you should be competing whether it's um, right, my hometown and James Madison University for years, has been talking, are, we, are they gonna move up to FBS from the FCS? Are they content being there? And I think there's plenty of schools that, yeah, I think the Alora Division One is great and they, and they wanna be that, but it's not the best fit for every single individual school. So making that delineation. The one thing that I think looking into what you actually designed from the conferences, and my favorite part was actually putting those together and how much they all made sense. I think the one conference looking at um, the biggest stretch, probably because I think because they come from so many different conferences, it would probably be
2: the Catholic 10. But <laughs> and Paul and I both said. I got some crap because I think one of those schools wasn't Catholic, right? Fair, fair enough.
0: <laughs> but I, I think it might be the one that's most needed because those are schools that I mean a uh, BC, I think we bought both does not really fit in the AC landscape right now. Or even um, you look at a lot of these loyal Chicago above the Missouri Valley and, and kind of Butler Marquette. I think building that together might be the most needed. What are your thoughts I mean, in terms of building, t- trying to piece, okay, how can we find a fit that's that's best like that for everyone um, with, with a conference like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you're going, you're trying to get similar schools um, obviously, they're not all going to be the same size, but like these are schools that are on similar status for the most part. Um, you know, Loyola well, Chicago has kind of r- raised itself to to where it is now. Um, you know, Boston College, like playing in the ACC, like doesn't make a ton of sense, right? No, um, really. So um, yeah, I I think it's trying to find spots for these schools that that make sense for them and that are a more level playing field for them. And, um, you know, that can create some, some fun rivalries and matchups. And like, that's the one where geography is tough, um, but it really, you know, it's, it's not that far-fetched. Like it really isn't. Mm-hmm. Boston college is probably the, the one that maybe doesn't geographically make the most sense, but the rest of them are pretty Midwest central, you know, Midwest to like, Upper Midwest, yeah, um, located. So um I thought those, you know, and and I need to come up, you know, we need a new main for that one. And and you know, this exercise, like I'm gonna have stuff where people did probably disagree with where I put the teams. Um, and, you know, obviously it's gonna, you know, if you were ever if the in the in a wild world where the NSA were ever to do this, like you know, you're gonna have multiple people oh, yeah. kind of consulting. Although, you know, when you get too many minds going, you know, working on it, it's probably gonna screw up the whole thing, but um, you know, I, I I think I didn't read through every single comment, but you know there were probably you know I'm, I I did read through some of them. Like Iowa fans weren't happy with taking for them sure. out of the Big Ten, but for sure. um, you know. But again, but,
1: like that's an. Expect- we always talk about that. Ian mentioned it, like expectation setting for your school. I would like bring in Kevin and be like, look, maybe not Kevin. He he's maybe a little biased, but like having someone say, this is where, based on the last 50 years, this is where you should be happy finishing every year. Like Iowa, you should not be winning the Big Ten every single year, and that should not be your expectation. That can be your goal. You could strive for that. Obviously, everyone's going to try to win the Big Ten, but there are so many schools that are just whacked out. Nebraska's firing a basketball coach after four years. Nebraska, I'm sorry, man. Like You're going to be in the bottom that's kind of where you're at. Like you don't have any business beating Ohio state every year and beating Michigan and beating Michigan state. Like you don't like, like you said minutes ago, Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, like they're going to be the best. They are the best. And they, that's where they're at. Those are the tier ones. Like it's just frustrating to see these guys. I'm going off on a little tangent, but like see these guys get fired at schools that really have no business competing at that level consistently. Can Nebraska win a Big Ten championship once every five years? Absolutely. But that's probably their ceiling. Like, I don't know what to tell you AD in Nebraska. I'm sorry. That's that's where you're at.
2: Well, there's been about three different ADs in the last five years in yeah. <laughs> like, my, my, my boy Timmy Miles didn't do too bad there. Yeah. No, seriously.
1: It's unbelievable. Okay, so um, the other question we had is so let's say football does their own thing. We realign these conferences, the NCAA goes away. In this world, does the NCAA still govern the other conferences? The Mid-American, the Metro Atlantic, the Northeast, con- the smaller, con- like- Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I just didn't, you know, I asked my editor, I said, do you want me to go all the way to, to the very bottom with this? And he's like, you yeah, know, you don't need to be that crazy. Yeah. <laughs> But in this in this world, you know that I've created. um, If you read near the top, um, so the the high what what we consider high major, even high mid major, those those leagues are going to be ten teams, Um, and then the rest are going to have twelve teams, Um, and I think the numbers worked out just about right, although. Um, we are getting, let's see, we're losing Hartford and gaining um, St. Thomas, St. I think. Thomas, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, although I think I, I forgot about the St. Thomas. And so, you know, maybe one team, have, one long league has to be 13. So, um, whatever. But, but yeah, every league will be under the same, same umbrella. Got it.
0: Okay. And then I think my last question on my to kind of say wrap all this together in terms from your idea and your your this world that you've created with with this landscape who stands the most to gain from your proposal and and who do you think probably has has the most to lose
2: oh that's a good question um most to gain the fans
0: (laughs) that was the easy answer i thought i was i was hoping yeah
2: yeah the the fans and the you know and the big time basketball schools that potentially you know maybe the tv networks pony up a little bit more for for these leagues i don't know but um so yeah you know i i think that it just makes the sport better and the fans the coaches every you know players it's better for everybody because like i said all of these um decisions are are made by football and and um you know i I had a story um a previous story about this like um Of source, you know, talking to people in the industry that that actually know what's going on here is like 80% of the television dollars when these contracts get made are about football, 20% are about men's basketball, and the rest of the sports don't matter. Um, and the 20% for men's basketball might be like a generous number. So um, yeah, it's 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 all about football, and this is just to make the sport better. Now, do I think this will ever happen? Probably not, but, hey, you know, sometimes you got to throw these crazy ideas in the universe and maybe it will get people in power thinking.
1: All right, I think we'll end with this one. Um, you can answer it yes, no, or you can expand, however you want to answer it. But will the NCAA exist as it does right now, September 3rd, 2021, in the year 2030? Will it exist?
2: Um. Yeah, I think so. I I think it, it might look a little bit different. Um, But yeah, I I think it'll be fairly similar to what it is now um, in terms of there being a place in Indianapolis that houses all these people that, you know, work on sports and, um, you know, I'm I'm (laughs) kind of critical of like the said at the beginning. And, but, you know, I've sat in the, I've been there and talked to some of those people and like, I think a lot of the people at the NCAA have good intentions and really care about college athletics and do a good job. I, I think that there but I do think there are some people in high, high, high places that really um, don't have as good as understanding as some of their middle tier lower people of, of how things really are and how things work and kind of live in a fantasy land. Now, obviously, I've created a little fantasy. <laughs> land. You know, I probably live in a fantasy land as well. But um, I, I do think changes need to come to the NCAA and I, I do think changes are coming, I, but I do think the body, um, what it is now um, will exist and um, will it be a different? Yeah, but, but maybe not not as drastically different as like I'm proposing here.
1: Yeah, I think what's frustrating is that you we all saw this 20, 25 years, we saw where this was going and it's just frustrating that they decided just guns blazing we're sticking to amateurism this is what we are this it was like this was made up in like 1908 for like yale to play princeton in football because we couldn't hire a professor it's like what like have you taken a sport management class like this doesn't make sense okay this is not a format that applies to today um and so i what what's annoying is that the ncaa could have molded and shifted and been good to go for the next 100 years they could have created overtime elite if they really wanted to somehow some way done their own nil let's separate whatever but because they just no this is this is what we do and your academic scholarship is you are getting paid and blah blah blah. and it's like you know and then the other side is jay billis you know so it's like i don't know it's just frustrating to watch
2: yeah it, it it definitely is and um I had I had a thought I was going to go somewhere, but but uh, I, I I spaced on it. But um, no, it 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 is frustrating. I, I I do think that you know with with like NIL, um, you know they're they're only doing that because like they've basically been forced to, right? So, um, but hey, at least it's finally here. Um, at least athletes can get paid. Um, I do think college sports will continue to exist and and be relevant. Um, I don't think overtime elite is going to like ruin college basketball. Um, I think that's probably going to be a big fat failure, Uh, but um, yeah, I I think that, you know, as long as, as long as college basketball exists, these college sports exist, like, and they will. um, And the reason they'll exist is because people like, you know, we are probably outliers in a way because we care way more than the average person, but you care about your team where you went to school and um, you know, you're always, you're always going to care. And, and that's why like nobody gives a crap about the G league elite or whatever you call it G league yeah. select team, because you have no like tie to those two. You know, it's, it's not representing a city. It's not representing a school. Um, you know, it's, it's like, I, I the idea is fine, right? but, but like there's, those players are that those games I don't think are ever going to create like huge television numbers where, um, you know, these colleges can because people really care about where they went to school. Yeah.
0: And I think that's the perfect way to wrap it, because we have this built in loyalty. We have this. I don't say for the schools on a great branding, building that loyalty, creating I mean, this is Kansas. This is Virginia. This is Duke. This is Ohio and there's natural rivalries and the things that basically that we want to see that bring them back it ties in exactly so that it, that's it's only it only make the product better and i think the, the fan experience better so
1: cj last thing um, where can everybody find you twitter instagram the athletic all that good stuff
2: um, you know i i did create an instagram account this <laughs> summer to basically be able to see where a kid committed to school because i knew he was going to commit on instagram Nice, um, but I don't even know what my name is. Probably CJ Moore Hoops on there. Uh, <laughs> I have not Instagrammed at all. <laughs> you so can definitely find me, find me on Twitter at CJ Moore Hoops M O R E, and then find my work at the Athletic. Oh, I know why I was going to say you. You were talking about. I remembered my thought. You were talking about um, why the NSA exists and how it, you know came to be. Jason Jinks had a good story if if you look it up on um the history of the ncaa and and you know why athletes aren't paid yada 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 um probably i think in the springtime maybe you wrote that so if you want to go look that up like it's a kind of a fun read and gives you a little bit of a history and how ridiculous it is that we're just now getting to nil but um yeah find my work at the athletic um hope you'll get go there subscribe um i think we'll make it worth your while i, I don't think any <laughs> sport like we do um, so, yeah, if you're a college basketball nut, like, you, you got to have a subscription. Come on. Across the board. Like 50% off right now, too. So go click on one of my stories and then subscribe. All? Yeah. Nice.
1: Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you, CJ. We appreciate it, man. And, uh, yeah, we'll hope, hope to have you on again here soon once uh, hoop season starts. And we'll kind of dig into uh Man, I hope Coach K wins in his last year. <laughs> We're getting good at it. Yeah. I, I was going to end it on that. Thank you, CJ. I appreciate it, man. Lately, I've been feeling like this what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they're opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pull plus Russell's up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney in the love, so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.